0: Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN radio and on the ESPN app.
1: I'm just saying, I'm not sure you're ready for the chaos that's about to ensue. We are together, Spain and Fitz. Who knew it was possible? We are ready for a wild Monday night. Because Sarah, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, in case you haven't checked this out, my beloved Raiders are two and zero, uh, wow, and preseason definitely congrats. counts. And that means uh, that mm-hmm. means obviously I should start planning for the Super Bowl now, right? Like, my hey, ticket Do you remember the
2: my... preseason record of the Lions when they went one sixteen? Four zero. It was 4-0, yeah. Yeah, go ahead and buy those yeah. tickets, though.
1: No, the worst preseason I ever, or the best, I should say, preseason I ever remember seeing in my lifetime was the year that the Raiders went 2-14. and 14. So I'm very <laughs> familiar with this. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance, and uh, Sarah Spain and Jason Fitz hanging out together. And I, I joke about it because I found myself all weekend watching replays or live action of preseason football, and as I was watching it, I found myself to be very measured, and I don't know that everybody feels that way. Like, it's easy to come out and just explode over, oh, my God, huge moments in the preseason while I'm sitting there saying, okay, you know, my could. Like, we try to be measured on this show. The preseason is the optimum, optimum time to be measured. I just don't know that it happens. I think everybody's ready to overreact.
2: You just offered up one of your favorite Southernisms that I only learned because of you, which is might Might could. could. Yeah, might could. Doesn't mean it means maybe, I think. Might could. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I actually watched the Bears' first preseason action yesterday, uh, uh, from yesterday today on my, or maybe it was Saturday. Either way, I watched it on my flight home today from LA. And I think because everyone knows the Bears are going to be trash, it is everything. But overreaction it is simply hey there were some nice plays in there hey there was some stuff to build on right like everybody knows that there is no reason to build up this team in any meaningful way because the team itself is not trying to win at all so I actually really enjoyed watching and looking for just the moments from young players Jaquan Brisker looking at uh the play of of You know, Justin Fields in a very small sample size and the defense and some young up-and-comers that I was excited about and just using that as as an okay place to sit, unlike teams like yours that have actual expectations.
1: Well, and with that being said, I mean, obviously the Raiders... Uh, you know, leave it to to my buddy Mike Gullick Jr. to be reminding me that the offensive line and the defensive line are both getting pushed around and manhandled Oof. in a preseason game, which did happen. But there were some takeaways. I mean, Thayer Munford, a rookie, seventh-round draft pick out of Ohio State, started at right tackle for the Raiders. Could be the future. We don't know. But those are the little things that you maybe want to take a, a look at. But I do think it's important sometimes to figure out where the – the line on all of this is because you know for example today you know i know first take was yelling about 17 penalties for the cowboys and i hear that but i also think you have to understand how much of these games now are being played by either backups or fringe guys that aren't even going to make the roster it looks so different there's so little meaningful time from starters I, I we have to understand that what we're seeing right now is a disjointed attempt at figuring out how to get depth and realize also that the first couple of weeks of the regular season are going to look clunky because the Preseasons no longer used for the purpose of getting good at football.
2: Right. Which is fine, actually. In yeah. Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. I think if you're a fan and you're, first of all, gambling on preseason, get a hold of your life. And I am talking to you, Kevin Winter. Secondly, I, I feel like if you're a fan and you're watching and you're expecting that everything you see bodes poorly or well for the regular season, you're ignoring that this is an opportunity for them to try stuff out. A very specific thing that they might be working on at the expense of everything else. A play that they know that they're killing in practice. Let's see how it looks here with X and Y different. You know, I think there's so many opportunities to remember that if you went behind the scenes, you would you would have a much better idea of whether the plan failed or not. And that's really hard to do when you're just watching from home.
1: Yeah, there is no doubt. Now, I do understand why some instances, some very specific instances, people freak out a little bit. Jordan Love mm-hmm. uh, getting into the preseason and maybe not having his best uh, <laughs> his best results. I'm they're feeling that, good uh, about uh,
2: that Aaron Rodgers deal once again. Uh, not that they ever weren't, but like every time they get a look at him, they're like, really dodged a bullet there. Yeah, but the, uh, the <laughs> interesting thing is— But also, how is, dumb of us to draft him yeah. and, and create all of this drama for absolutely no reason because he is not the guy. Not even just create the drama,
1: but also— also waste the first round pick like yes. we've become so enamored with the concept of Aaron Rodgers coming back that we forget sometimes like most organizations that draft quarterback in the first round and that quarterback never sees the field for the duration of his contract right they would just be absolutely raked over the coals of like oh my god how could you do that and with the Packers we're just sitting like so many people are sitting back saying well I just absolutely love Aaron Rodgers come back doesn't
2: matter I don't know, <laughs> you know you know who they could have had that might have been interesting? I don't know, for Aaron Rodgers, Michael Pittman Jr. Oh, I could have made... <laughs> Chase Claypool. Uh, you know, I could go down the list of players drafted after Jordan Love that they could have had to support the guy that they already had who is a Hall of Famer instead of picking Jordan Love.
1: Well, the the Bears did beat the Chiefs, so I think that supports that the Chiefs are heading. Yeah. Uh, for mm-hmm. last place in the AFC yeah, West, clearly, uh, no bias clearly. on that Yeah, I mean, all. just
2: because Patrick Mahomes only played one series and it was perfect, and he, I think, was only had one incomplete pass through to six different uh, receivers on the way to a touchdown, that was just one drive. I mean, the rest of the game was clearly the most important part to watch.
1: What I think is hysterical about preseason football in general is one particular overreaction. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. One particular overreaction always comes from when you see – Any athletic quarterback run around for a long time and then make some crazy throw, it's completed in the end zone, and everybody freaks out. Like, even on Thursday night, that's what Titans fans were doing for Malik Willis. They're like, oh, look at this athleticism. that was fun,
2: though. That was fun. (laughs) It is fun, but then you got to
1: look at it and say, well – is he going to do that in regular season? Like he's, They're playing against a bunch of backups like it's backyard football. Yeah, Most yeah. of the time for I, quarterbacks, you want to see them go through progression, you want to see them go through reads, make easy throws, understand these things. Having a guy run around against a bunch of competition that's probably less talented than he is while he makes a great throw doesn't really do it for me compared to just seeing a guy drop back and know who his third receiver is in that route combo and throw into it.
2: I completely agree with you, except for in this case with Malik Willis, there is a possibility that they could actually use him in goal line situations and he wouldn't have to develop into your full-time quarterback and he wouldn't have to, you know, do the same things that we got excited about against second and and third string D's, but could be used in a meaningful way in the season, uh, which, uh, you know, that's actually something to take from these games. And it's hard to watch these games and figure out, you know, what is actually worth you know diving into and that's that's one of them I mean what did you make of Matt Ryan is that to you just hey you got to get used to a new system or do you actually think there's something to take away from his struggles
1: yeah no I do think that there's a little bit I, that's sort of a, a tweener on that because if you're Matt Ryan you do need to get used to it but also you've been around for so long it can't be that complicated like the coaching staff has to figure out how to translate to the quarterback I don't think that happens enough so often we ask a quarterback to come in learn a whole new playbook whole new system whole new everything instead of just looking at the coaches and saying how can we help him I I thought Matt Ryan looked a little lost honestly against obviously a Bills team that is a Super Bowl favorite but uh, you can't feel good about that at this point you can't at all that's not the effort you expected to see from a quarterback that you've invested in that you think can get you a a division championship this year like the Colts are not the Bears in that sense they are actually a team that walks into the season Mm -hmm. saying hey we have a shot at the division but not if Matt Ryan doesn't play better
2: yeah, I completely agree, and obviously we need to see more, um, and obviously Matt Ryan seemed well aware of, of the struggles and, and was making some relevant excuses, not the empty kind, the kind where you say, yep, let's just give him some more time, but it wasn't a very exciting start. I, on the other hand, uh, as much as you know, we didn't see a ton of Trey Lance, uh i still think that i'm excited for him in that offense i think we're going to get some highs and some very lows from him but it does seem like he's such a great fit for that 49er style of offense
1: well and there's a lot of benefit of the doubt for kyle Shanahan and what he can do for quarterbacks yes. too so i think that Plays into all of it. For all of the things we've said not to overreact to, there is one thing that happened this weekend that absolutely deserves all of the overreaction. We'll tell you what it what it is. Plus, the Fantasy Football Marathon is underway. We'll get you all the details you got to have next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet us, but only if you're nice. At Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at ESPN Radio, at Spain and Fitz. All of them. You could just go to any of them. Uh, Sarah, we just uh, talked about how there's so little real to take out of preseason. But there's obviously one very real thing to take out of preseason when it comes to Zach Wilson, the quarterback of the Jets suffered sort of the worst-case scenario for most football fans uh, when you start talking about what it could mean and you see a quarterback just running around on the field, uh, leg buckles, you never know what it's going to look like. Looked for that second, you know, they played the replay over, over and over and over again, and it looks like suddenly people are saying, the season is done, but we're not sure what's happened. An MRI on Saturday confirmed a bone bruise and a meniscus tear, but not an ACL tear per NFL Network's Tom Pelissero. But they are still going to go in and have to score scope the knee before they know the full damage of what's been done. So there are time frames of return that go from two to four weeks uh, to we're not really sure. So right now, everybody's sort of pressing pause on Zach Wilson. This is the worst case scenario, obviously, for any team when you're talking about your quarterback, but especially for a quarterback that everybody's looking for a big jump from. Everybody's looking for some opportunity for him to move forward. The reps matter to Zach Wilson more than they might to somebody that's been in the league a long time.
2: Absolutely. And to your point about them now being non-committal, it's just a roller coaster ride for the Jets, right, of the excitement about year two with a young quarterback that I'm not super hyped on, but they're excited for the possibilities of, they at least have hope at, at their disposal. And then the injury and then the report, okay, it's not as bad as we thought. Oh, phew, thank goodness. And then they come back, wait a minute, actually... We're not out of the woods because we don't know, you know, how they're going to handle the meniscus when they actually go in um, for surgery. And your projection that you came out with of two to four weeks when you think, okay, fine, great, it wouldn't be that much, it won't affect too much of the season, could be absolutely changed by the scope and what they find in there.
1: Yeah, which takes us back to when the Jets were telling us that Joe Flacco's a you know Super Bowl caliber starting quarterback right now. Uh, I think we all sort of laughed at that. and Now we're going to get proof of it. Garrett Wilson, the Jets mm. wide receiver, had this to say about the difference between the two quarterbacks at their press conference today. There's definitely a difference, you know. It's, uh, I mean, it's a lot of experience right there with Flacco, and uh, you know, I feel like everything with him is is he, he has to take some pace off and put pace on the balls. You know, he kind of does a good job of of making a. Uh, the passes, you know receiver friendly that's the best way I can put it in the words you know it's, it's they're pretty easy to catch um, you take some off the ball when you run in the slant route versus you know out route or put some zip on it because it's got to be you know things like that so I'll say that that's an interesting <laughs> commentary though coming from uh, you know Garrett Wilson who uh, is I mean you're talking about a first-round pick in this year's draft so you've got a rookie coming in and saying uh the difference is he knows when to take some heat off the ball and when not to and right. how to play one of it. them I'm has like- some touch I mean, that's not exactly One of what I call. What knows what
2: he's doing? Like
1: that—that's not glowing on your young quarterback when you're when you're rookie. We're not talking about like Keyshawn out there being like, "Hey, you know, this is." You're talking about your rookie rookie wide receiver being out there uh, saying that. I I think that's pretty pretty it staggering.
2: Sounds like someone who wants to catch balls from Flacco. Yeah, I Ooh. mean, listen, you could say all of that without really saying it. Yeah, well, you know. Joe's been in the league for a long time. I think he's got a feel for, you know, what kind of ball to give. Um, but Zach's got an arm on him, right? I mean, that it sounds like you're saying something good when you're saying the exact same thing, which is Joe Flacco appears to know what he's doing and have a more nuanced take on the position, um, which is expected. I mean, honestly, obviously with the, with the experience that they have, but um, it is surprising to have a rookie feel confident saying something like that publicly.
1: Yeah, I feel like there's going to be a PR class, and the next time we hear from Garrett, Garrett's going to come out and be like, "Uh, you know what, you never want to lose your starting quarterback, but we're just so thankful that we've got an experienced backup like that one.
2: Either that or he'll say, listen, I know y'all ain't trying to come with me for some PR on how to behave when our quarterback (laughs) is the one sleeping with his mom's friend and Creating a bunch of social media drama. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Uh
1: our, our board op today, Chris, is a huge Jets fan. He is smiling at me right now. What, what what What's on your mind, buddy?
3: So, I will say, Robert Sala, head coach of the Jets, a few weeks ago is out here praising Joe Flacco as a starting caliber quarterback. So Yeah, yeah. A yeah. Lot Fitz of love said
2: that, and he's like, we'll right. find out. There's a lot because... of love
3: for this guy within the organization. Now, do I want Zach Wilson out there? Yes, but...
1: I mean, one it, John it, okay. Gruden used to tell everybody that Nathan Peterman could have been a starter in the NFL. Like okay, let point. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just, let's just right. uh, stop I mean, them.
2: also, let's talk about Mike White. At one point, Mike White was like, hey, listen, we don't need Joe Flack or Zach Wilson. Mike White is the future of the league. Did you see that one game he had? And it was like, eh. Josh Johnson not. also
3: had a great half for us oh at God, that, one this point is, last year. Oh, my God, God this what is we're sad. Doing. This is what we're doing.
2: Honestly, there's a couple teams where I enjoy ribbing the fan base and I don't have a lot of sympathy for them. It's mostly just the Knicks. <laughs> just <laughs> i've actually narrowed it down to one um but jets I, I like i enjoy messing with the mets fans too i don't have a lot of empathy for mets fans i'm not sure why i think it might be our former board op he, you know he just he just he was too chesty about the team but um I do feel for Jets fans. Like, they've, they've gotten to the we-all-really-want-to-see-the-Cubs-win-it-all phase of just patheticness. <laughs> Where you're just like, you know the fans have suffered so much that you just want to see something good happen to As, them.
1: Especially on the heels of losing Mekhi Becton. And, you know, yes. all kidding aside, Makai Becton is such a superstar for this Jets team. There was so much expected. You lose him for the year, it's already going to make everything tougher for your quarterback. But, you know, maybe by having an actual quarterback back there now, Oh, sorry Ooh.
2: about that. I'm sorry.
1: I'm not Honestly, know, though, a. Honestly, though, this is an for.
2: unprecedented thing for Jets fans wherein I mean, maybe maybe as a Jets fan, you can tell me if I'm wrong about this, but has there ever been the like deafening blow of you're still going to suck happen before a single game has been played?
3: <laughs> uh that's a tough one. Honestly, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that we've had that. I mean, I may, you know what? There was one season where you kind of felt like that. And that was the whole Geno Smith, Mark Sanchez, and then Sanchez pops his shoulder out, and then Geno gets punched in the face in the locker room. Mm -hmm. So there was some of that in there, but I don't think anybody really thought that team was going much of anywhere anyway. And then
2: Rex Ryan turned the guy that punched him in the face into the captain for the game when they played the 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 Jets the next season. Real classy. (laughs) I I, I just
1: think if you injected true serum into the veins of most fans at the end of preseason, they would give you a more realistic outcome than they want to for their team. It's just, we, we all get a little cloudy. You know, maybe Those this is... Those rose-colored glasses, it, it, they work well. Maybe this is the swan song that uh, that Flacco needed. By the way, uh, all this talk about uh, Zach Wilson, not that any of you are going to draft him in your fantasy league, but if you were going to make that mistake, then you definitely need the help of our experts. The 2022 ESPN Fantasy Football Marathon's underway. You can check out ESPN and ESPN2 all evening for notes, tidbits. It's going to help you with your best fantasy football team. Team. Joining an ESPN Fantasy Football League will allow you to play in a private league with friends or join a public league, make new friends. You can be matched with other fans at the same skill level. You get expert analysis right on the home screen, so even if you don't know what the hell you're doing, it'll help you. <laughs> the teams from Fantasy Focus and Fantasy Football now give you all the tips and insights you need to win your league. Sign up, draft, and manage your team from anywhere using the ESPN Fantasy app. That is going on right now, Sarah, so everybody should yeah. tune in for the next 28 hours. They will be doing nonstop fantasy on uh, on the network, and I'm just glad it, we get to it's take a nap. the
2: uh, Yeah, it's the anniversary of when uh, Golick Jr. and I were doing the 24-hour marathon, and uh, he tried to into a hazmat suit and popped the butt out and it sounded like a gunshot. At one point he was Elvis and I was Marilyn Monroe. Um we we were uh on a boat, we were in a mansion, we were hanging with a penguin, there was an inflatable unicorn that died. Uh it was a lot of fun actually. Was it, it was actually a actual really penguin? good time. Was not a, an actual okay. penguin thankfully it was uh it was not a real penguin uh but we had a blast and actually you know what? this reminds me uh we are not going to be doing our F- spain and Fitz fantasy football league this year so later in the show we'll be giving people an update on how they can compete against us in a different way we're switching it up this year Fitz. not because the listeners continued to beat us but no, because wait, 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 wait. we just wanted to switch it up a yeah, little. yeah
1: we're going out on top i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> but we are going to give you guys a fun different interesting way to uh, have some fun with us we'll tell you about later but coming up are the aces the favorite to win the WNBA title nope. yes we'll nope. get some expertise on it next spain and fits on espn radio and as always hanging out with you on the espn app
0: you're listening to the spain and fits podcast
2: happy monday you got spain and fits with spain and fits finally on espn radio the espn app Serious XM Channel 80. Don't get used to it. I don't think we have another show together this month, but enjoy it while you can. ESPN Radio and Spain and Fitz are presented by Progressive Insurance. Protect the stuff you love with renter's insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Let's dive into all the juicy first-round matchups with WNBA and women's basketball writer for The Athletic, Lindsay Darkangelo, one of our faves to bring on to talk about this stuff. And Lindsay, just to set the stage for what we're going to start watching beginning Wednesday night, how is the first round different this year than in previous years for the WNBA playoffs? Yeah,
4: so the, they got rid of the single elimination games, uh, which I completely agree with. And the first and second round, um, or first and second teams, excuse me, um, don't get a bye. So the first round, you have best of three. Then you go to the semifinals, best of five. And then the finals itself is best of five. So I like the setup better. I think it, it just, it, it, it sort of will lure people in more and give teams, especially teams with higher seed playing lower seeds, um, just more of a chance rather than the single elimination setup it, it's been for the past few years.
2: Well, and also fascinating, I don't think I've ever seen a best of three that was a 2-1 setup where the home team mm-hmm. plays the first two. And if you blow it in one of those and don't close them <laughs> out, then you go to the away team for the final game. That's an interesting choice.
4: Interesting, to say the least. But, you know, it it adds a a level of of drama and entertainment. I think um, we'll
1: see what happens with it. Yeah, drama, entertainment, and pressure to the home team. So we've gone too far without mentioning that the Aces are the top seed. Thank you very much. Uh, Do it in the playoffs. I I know, I know. No, do it in the playoffs. But that's a fair thing for everybody to say. (laughs) We've seen the Aces have regular season success in the past. They do need to do it in the playoffs. What makes this Aces team different than past teams?
4: Um, they, Becky Hammond, what she has done with this team and kind of unleashed this like run and gun style, um, giving them the green light to shoot. Uh, mul- you know, multiple places on the court. Like it's not just Bill Lambier was very much get the ball inside, get the ball inside, and and Hammond has just kind of opened things up all over the court. And we've seen what that has done for Kelsey Plum's game. Also, without Liz Cambage on the roster this year, Asia Wilson just has more movement in the paint. Uh, especially when they're not, uh, they weren't. They're not being on the court together, um, and also on the defensive end for her, it's given her a chance to like up that side of her game as well. So, I mean, all around, you you see the improvement of Jackie Young, who in the past three seasons has just added more and more to her game. She has a, a killer mid-range jumper now. She added a three-point shot this season, and then Chelsea Gray. I mean, come on, what what more got... can you say about mm-hmm. the play of Chelsea Gray lately, her and all season
2: really. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, just a highlight reel of her passes, I think, which should be just yeah. be this, the promotion for the WNBA next season. Uh, it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're talking to Lindsay Darkangelo of The Athletic about the WNBA playoffs. They start on Wednesday, first-round action, some really juicy matchups. I'm not going to hype my sky for just a little bit because I think we all <laughs> saw last year it doesn't matter where they're seated. so, like, congrats on the number one seed, Fitz. Mm-hmm. Uh, we came from way down low last year to win it all, so I guess that means being the second seed we're just going to blow straight through without a single loss in the postseason I'm not wow. predicting that I'm just wow. saying it's possible let's talk about that matchup for the Aces Aces Mercury Mercury is an interesting team they have been through a ton this year but they find themselves in the postseason with Skylar Diggins Smith questionable I'm not really sure what's going on with her she left the team for personal reasons in the last week of the season and Diana Taurasi is out with the quad injury what can we actually expect from them in a first round series
4: I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of fight from this team. I, I think what they've been through all season has made them closer together, especially this squad right now without Taurasi and Skylar Diggins-Smith, as you mentioned. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of fight out of them. I just don't think they have enough to, to just get past the Aces. Um, it actually could end up being a sweep, a sweep for the Aces in could, my opinion. I mean, but, could, um, well, for, Sky, <laughs> for Skylar Diggins-Smith, though, I believe like the emotional toll of everything going on with Brittany Griner and just kind of the adversity that the murky have been through the season is just, it, it just becomes too much. And then you have to choose between, you know, what's, what's best for you, you know, basketball or, or taking care of your mental, and emotional health. So yeah. I wish her the best.
1: So then what series do you think has the best shot for a big upset?
4: So I got, my eyes on the first round match between the Dallas wings and the Connecticut sun, because Mm. here's the thing the the wings beat the sun two out of three times this season already. And, and you look at what, how Dallas has been playing lately, like a ton of confidence with or without a video on the court. Uh, Marina Mabry has been sensational. She's averaging 20 points uh, per game over the last seven games. Pierre McCowan has come alive at the center position, providing them with like an inside presence that they've sort of been missing throughout the season and then you have the Sun they're eight and two in the last 10 games they have um, the second best overall defensive rating in the league but they're going need to they're gonna need to execute and we've seen you know in the past couple of seasons with them in, in the playoffs they, they sort of have, have run out of steam so I think there's an up, a potential upset there and um, the Sun just need to play their game and and just be tight on defense in order to um, get past the Wings.
2: Yeah, the Wings, uh, as you mentioned, Enrique Gunbowale, she's uh, been one of the top scorers in the league all season. She's out for the first round. They've had a lot of injuries and setbacks, and they're still in it, but they Mm -hmm. haven't won a playoff game since the franchise moved from Tulsa to Dallas. So there's a lot of expectation for them to take that next step. That's going to be tough against a good Connecticut Sun team. It's Spain and Fitz. We're talking to Lindsay Darkangelo of The Athletic about the first round of the WNBA playoffs, which starts on Wednesday. Uh, Seattle Storm Washington Mystics. Talk about mm-hmm. big names. This is chock full of superstar names, and the Storm have finally started playing up to the expectations that many of us had, especially after adding Tina Charles. I think that gave them four number one overall picks on their roster. But when Don is back, that is an entirely different team coming out of Washington. What do you make of this series?
4: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Sarah. The well, Washington Mystics are actually my dark horse in this mm. playoff race. It's sort of just been... You know, uh, flying under the radar this season, always being at that fourth or fifth um, seed in the standings. You know, Daladon obviously took some games off. She played 25 games this season, so so about 10, 10 11 less than than uh, the normal um, load, and just to rest her body. And what the the mission for that was to just to manage the roster and get to the playoffs, so she could be back at, at full strength and be fully healthy. So now that she is, and now that they're in the playoffs, so. You know, she's led the team in scoring with 17 points per game. They have the highest, uh, she has one of the highest defensive ratings in the league. She's having a really good season, even though she's taken some games off. And, and Washington, like you said, is just a better team with Della Don on the floor. Um, uh, she, maybe she'll play less minutes, but I got to believe that she's going to play throughout the playoffs. And and that, that was the goal. And so we're going to see, I think, a, a tight matchup. And uh, I can see the Mystics getting past Seattle.
1: right, so obviously not in the playoffs, but Liz Cambage has spoken and in that process of speaking was a little unclear about what exactly she's saying has happened and why she's stepping away, but she says she has a story to tell. What's your reaction to her statements? Uh,
4: So, Liz, I think, you know, I think it gets to a point where you go from place to place and, and if, if there's toxicity there and in like a toxic environment or you have locker room issues or, or things happen, you know, eventually you have to start to look at why that happens every place you go. Um, I think, I hope that, that Liz takes some time for like some self-reflection and maybe like really comes out. She did say she was going to explain some things um, that were being talked about. And, and I'm hoping that she's, she's honest with, with herself and with everyone about maybe some, even some, some mistakes she may has, she may have made herself and, and, and just be open about it because I think being transparent is, is the way to go here. Um, I sp- you know, with everything that she's been through, but um, we'll see what happens. You know, I'm not really sure when that's going to happen or what she's going to say or explain, but you know, like, like I said, we've sort of seen this, this happen almost every team she's been on. In the w and it's it sort of at some point you just have to take some personal accountability
2: yeah i think liz cambage might be one of the athletes that helps us usher in a better understanding of how to talk about mental health while also reconciling personal choice because she has struggled mm-hmm. with that and she has struggled with mm-hmm. uh addiction and there's so many things in the back of her story that uh, make you empathetic but the continued mm-hmm pivots toward this behavior, regardless of the people around her, um, there is at some point a point where it's not valuable to teams anymore. And then um, Mm -hmm. the conversation shifts from simply mental health and empathy to um, needing to fix your behaviors or no longer be Someone who's who's welcomed into the sport. It's Spain and Fitz. Last question for Lindsey Dark Angel, and I appreciate Fitz being so dedicated to his aces that he refused to even mention the name of my team, <laughs> the defending champion Chicago Sky, in their Never first round matchup Never with the Liberty. Obviously, anytime <laughs> Sabrina Ionescu's out there, she can go off. Natasha Howard can be great. Um, I mean, this is a this is a team that's got some stuff, but the depth on the on the Sky when they're putting it together, uh, this seems like uh, hopefully a, 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 an easy round for them.
4: Yeah, I mean, you, you don't want to say, like, any rounds easy, but what a, what a you know, I feel bad so for the Liberty, getting back to the playoffs, you know, and, and hoping to get past that first round, um, which has sort of been a hurdle for them, and then matching up against the Sky, who are just, I mean, the Sky and the Aces are, are really the two best teams in the league right now, and I just don't think the Liberty have enough, even with Nigel Laney back, to get past, the sky team and and this roster that's just so consistent when you, when they switch out players, it's like they don't lose anything um, at all on the floor. And it's just, just hard to contend with.
2: Absolutely. I agree. What a great note to finish. Should I I go go buy my Vegas (laughs) championship (laughs) championship gear now,
1: or do I wait a week? Get a tattoo. Go Go ahead and get a
2: tattoo. See how that works out for you. Uh, Lindsay Dark Angel of the athletic. Hey, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Lindsay.
4: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
2: Uh, that reminds me, Aces and Sky Smack Talk, that there might be some things we need to address that I may have forgotten until right now. That's next. Plus, a movie from 40 years ago was re-released today. It asked us, it had us thinking what we could ask you about childhood movies, and we're gonna do that next. It's Spain and Fitz.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
2: I've turned into Jason Fitz.
1: Congratulations. This is a-
2: Terrible development. Oh. Let me explain. It's Spain and Fitz with Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. The last time we worked together, which was what, 2012, 2013?
1: Yeah. Yeah. About that. Yeah. It feels like.
2: It. Um, I lost a bet. It was one of, I believe, two I've lost to you over the course of our long radio marriage. Uh, I'm
1: undefeated. I've no, it doesn't work that way.
2: My other one instantly. I paid half of that bet up by changing my avatar uh, as a result of the sky losing to the aces in the commissioner cup. And I was supposed to learn the TikTok dance for your buddy Morgan. Morgan? No, that's a different guy. Who's the guy? (laughs)
1: Okay, uh, Morgan is like, no, M- Morgan would be uh, Morgan Wallen, and you know, we're not, we're not. He's got some issues. We're not going to get Yeah, we're not, we're not, we're not putting. But Walker, name? yeah, Walker, Walker. Hayes. Walker, yeah.
2: Honestly, Morgan Walker sounds like if you put the two of them together. Oh, okay. uh, not a better date. Walker Hayes' song, Y'all Life. Uh, I actually invested a bit of time starting to learn it and then learned you wouldn't be on the show with me for like three weeks. And I was like, well, this isn't fun to pay off if I don't release the video and then we don't make fun of me. So I put it on the side and then I forgot about it until we decided to do the show today. And I was like, oh, yeah. So that's going to have to happen, I guess, in September, because we're not hosting again together, and I'm going on vacation, and so, yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, here's the thing, like, I think that the later we get into the year, the better the costuming can be, the, Fair. the more popular the TikTok is going to be, and uh, as a result, it will only be more of a viral sensation.
2: Yes, right. it will be the song of the season, according to the SEC, yeah, so unless it's... their fans have anything to say about it. Um that reminds me actually. Uh, yeah, so I need to pay that off, but you also have a song that you owe me and I recognize that you're trying to get an important I might just give it to you without the important. Friend. I think yeah, I think you might have to just give up on the that's fine. On I'll the just, remix.
1: You know, I'll give, uh, you know what? That's actually a good idea. Then I can just give you the song and then I can give you a remix of the song on the next inevitability when I lose another bet. When you lose another then bet. I can yeah.
2: Then you got to reach out back to that person who's supposed to help you out that's been leaving you hanging. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to pay off the TikTok dance. Uh, I don't know. Do we want to make an Aces Sky bet for this playoff run? I mean, we are back at it again. Another season no, no, of no, our teams being the best there is.
1: <laughs> oh, we have to make another bet. I, mean, I mean, just that's... heard Lindy
2: Dark Angel. It's really it's about Sky Aces unless something goes wrong.
1: Uh, yeah, no, hundred percent. This is a uh, a bet for the ages. We should uh, we should see what like do Do you have any ideas? Do we let somebody come up with a bet for us? Do we put a bunch of bets in a hat and then we? Uh, Last we just time take that one happened,
2: out? I agreed to a polar plunge and then yeah. wandered around the barren, frozen landscape of Lake Michigan trying to find an entry point before taking a cold shower. Uh, it didn't is, work
1: out that well. This is where Sarah like proves her <laughs> immense talents, especially when it comes to writing, because the way she described that sounded like the beginning of a movie. <laughs> Whereas I'd be like, I just got lost, y'all. Come figure out where to do it. Like, I mean, that's you. You, you did that beautiful.
2: Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, maybe Could we'll. Could you ask.
3: guys pick each other's hairstyles? Like the next, the next haircut, the next one if you want to use? Uh, it. Maybe oh, a, wig no, a, wig well, a wig week. A wig week. Wig oh, week might be really fun. I'm in
1: for wig week. <laughs> I, I
2: mean, don't know why I just coined wig bit, week. I mean, a little bit of a difference between you bad doing bad wig week on your, you know, college football show and me just randomly wearing a wig for around the horn. That is probably I know, fair. I don't know if it's quite the same. I
1: mean, wig <laughs> week though for me would include like wig s- week six digital shows and maybe a college football live. So that's I mean, fair. That's that's a, that's that a, a it's a heavy fair. lift. It, it, it's you know, the kids would say, <laughs> Sports Center on Snap. I'm wearing a wig. Like wig week. I, I don't know. I
2: kind of would love to see you with like the nine. 90- 1980s sideswept news reporter vibe, like a front bang side part that, like, okay. whoosh across mm-hmm. the front.
1: I, I do love the description on that. You know? I, I don't Rachel know. Did you visualize
2: France. what I, what I, I, it's hard to tell whether you're picturing no, what no, I'm, 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 with you. putting I'm putting the, out the, there. Yeah, I'll there's, find whoosh, a picture yeah, yeah, and no, see, but yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that would be very funny. I don't know that Around the Horn would be down for that, particularly if, like, the day that I was on, there was a, you know, a, an important topic like Deshaun Watson, and I just have, like, an a 80s, 19, a 1980s American Gladiator blonde wig on or something.
1: I just have Tony call me. I'll clear it all with him. I, like, we're, you know, it's it's fine. Yeah, I'll just clear
2: it all with him. Oh, perfect. That'll go Great. well. Uh, We'll have to think about this Uh, WNBA Finals. We've got a little bit of time, and I will thankfully be back from my very lengthy vacation uh, before the finals are underway. So um, we can we can ponder it. If something were to go terribly wrong in the early rounds, though, one or both of us might be saved from sure embarrassment by us not having made the bet in time for that terrible. No, we need this to go all the way to
1: like it needs to go to the, the the final. And then when it gets there, ESPN should obviously, I mean, ESPN radio, Justin. Fly us out there. Like, pony up here, buddy. Like, let's go. The radio send us out to these things. Like, uh, nobody else is going to do a better job on radio covering the final than we would. And it would be our two teams in our respective (laughs) cities. I'm in for this.
2: WNBA finals brought to you by Wig Week. Yeah, brought to you by (laughs) Wig Week. Clearly, the final presentation will be done uh, with both of us wearing the wigs of our. Brought to you by uh, Dollar Shave Club, <laughs> and whoever loses and, shaves their head. Now, uh, <laughs> again, slightly different outcomes depending on whether that is me shaving my head or you. <laughs>
1: oh, oh God, oh, man. That, that is fair.
2: Um. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We'll get to the bottom of this bet. We'll figure it out. Uh, We also wanted to ask you, Fitz, you were telling me about an E.T. re-release. I actually went and saw E.T. with my dad in the movie theater as a kid. I remember it distinctly because we just didn't really go to the movies. Um, And that was one of the few. And it was a daddy-daughter date, just the two of us. And it is a deeply disturbing and sad movie. It makes me sad anytime I just see... E.T. doing anything. I just think about how sad it made me when he was basically captive.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I was in the theater recently and uh, the preview for it came on. If you looked around the theaters, we're all sitting there. I don't think there was a dry eye in the house. Like anybody that ever seen, had it ever seen ET yeah. e. was like, just I, I'm, don't cry in public. Don't cry. In fact, <laughs> on College Football Live today, Tom Luganville was one of the analysts. He was talking about how his son obviously saw it when he was a kid because Tom took it, there. but his son's girlfriend never saw it. She grew up, they've been together forever, and she, her parents never took it. So Tom, Tom was like, you know, she asked if she can go. So Tom's taking her to see. E.T., and he's like, I'm going to cry in front of my daughter's girlfriend, and I don't know how I feel about that. Like,
2: that's what E.T. does! Well, we want to find out from you guys what one childhood movie moment is the most efficient at bringing you to tears immediately. Uh, So think back on a film from your youth, and it's that scene... In the movie, that moment that if someone were to show you a screen grab or just that clip, you would immediately be reduced to tears. E.T. is up there. I've got some other ones, though. I mean, right off the bat, I'm just thinking about uh, Atreus horse dying in in The NeverEnding Story. I literally would have to leave the room for that every time i could not be present in the room i still don't believe i've actually watched it i think i've always left the room for it
1: i get angry when bambi comes on for the same reason i'm just saying yeah
2: we all know what's going to happen there It's messed cry. up disney really messed up God. spain and Fitz coming up a little nfl preseason good take hot take on the overreactions coming up next
0: you're listening to the spain and fitz podcast
1: i think we can all agree If you were sitting around this weekend like I was watching every second of preseason football, A, that maybe we need to find better things to do with our life. But B, most importantly, as you were watching all of this football go down, you know one thing. You know that the best part about it is we get to overreact all of it on Monday. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, series XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Now, some things are not an overreaction. You know, we like to do a little bit of fun with this. But, Sarah, like, for example, if I say the Raiders are never going to lose a game and they're going to win the Super Bowl, that's a good take, for example. If I were to say that, that you know, the Raiders are, are going to lose twice – that's a hot take, because we all know that's not going to happen, right? I've got this nail. Yep. Let's see, perfect. That's time for some good take, hot take. Let's go.
0: Time to cut through the BS and rate the best takes of the day. Are they good takes? Good. He would be the best quarterback in the history of New York to land here. Or hot takes?
5: Give the damn ball and let him decide.
0: But that's not the Greenway way. Find out now on Spain and Fitz. I am going to be insufferable this year. All right, good take, hot take. (laughs) We're going to
1: take some of the best uh, from around the company, from around ESPN. Here's some of what they had to say about the action we saw. And we start with the great Michael Irvin, Pro Football Hall of Famer. He was on first take and offered this take about the Cowboys and how good they could be this year.
5: This is not like turnovers. Turnovers (laughs) declare wins and losses. You can still win with all of these penalties. The Dallas Cowboys still had the number one offense in the National Football League, the number one scoring office in the National Football League. What you should be saying if the Dallas Cowboys clean up these penalties, they may be chasing the Miami Dolphins. That's what I'm trying to tell you right now.
2: I assume he means by the Miami Dolphins the champagne popping perfect team that uh, continues to celebrate whenever another team loses. Uh, that is a hot take. Not only because it's just like, okay, if they take this historically bad problem that they haven't just fixed it, they're fine. But also, can we address the other issues, Uh, the weapons that we're maybe concerned about, Uh, the fact that it appears that both the coach and the starting quarterback don't know how to handle uh, a a decision with time running out uh, and a close game? I mean, there is a lot more to it than just penalties, Fitz.
1: Yeah, I I mean, this is the hottest of hot takes that we possibly could have had at this point. And frankly, I watched a little of first take this morning, and they were out on a boat. I feel like maybe Michael Irvin was partying like he was out on a yacht before he gave this take because (laughs) there is no way you can tell me historically good. Like, you start talking about... Undefeated. I mean, we're having conversations. We can't talk out of both sides of our mouth as a general sports community. There's so many people today, right now, having conversations about whether Mike McCarthy is going to survive the season, and Irvin wants me to believe they're going to be historically good if they could if they could cut down on penalties. I'm not buying any of it. All right, let's uh let's go from a cowboy to a giant. How about we do that? Chris Canty, co-host of Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. They were in for Greeny today, and uh, obviously there are a lot of conversation being had about not just Deshaun Watson this weekend, but about the booing of Deshaun Watson, which is something one of his teammates commented on. Chris Canny had th- this to say about those comments.
5: That's cringeworthy. If you're Joe yeah. Batonio, you can feel that. You might be able to talk about that amongst yourselves in the locker room, but there's no way you can put that out there for public consumption. Bruh, you're talking about 25 women that are alleging sexual misconduct. Fans are well within their rights to boo the hell out of Deshaun Watson. He's going to have to live with that.
2: Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about Canty's take, it's a a good take. If we're talking about Joe Batonio's take, it's hot as you know where it's enough already fits the cognitive dissonance that we as fans and players as teammates of some of these guys that are credibly accused or proved to be guilty of have to do in order to reconcile watching and cheering for them or playing alongside them without feeling icky and uncomfortable particularly female staff members coaches massage therapists trainers etc then to ask that somehow we should use it as a rallying cry for the team. Oh, it's everybody against Cleveland. You want to do that BS in the locker room as a way to bring your team together because you can't fight the reality that he is going to get booed and you somehow want to make it something to, to, to rally each other around? That's gross too, but to do it publicly is embarrassing and actually extremely tone deaf and very insulting to his victims.
1: Part of the quote when he says, I'm sure every stadium will go to, I don't know if it'll get worse, we'll get booed. I think people get tired of booing, booing, but I'm sure every time he goes out there, there will be some sort of boo to start the game and we've got to go from there. I had no problem with any of that. The line that stands out to me is the line you mentioned. I'm sure it seems more than ever like Cleveland against the world this is, I mean, the the, the Canny's take on this is a good take, because realistically, good. for the Browns to turn around and try and pretend that they're the victims in this is yep. disgusting. And mm-hmm. it, this is nothing short of that. Like, However they got to justify getting through this, there is absolutely no way that he should be saying anything in front of a mic in this situation. And you know for a fact that the organization, the players, everybody behind the scenes are talking about what not to say. This just feels wildly tone deaf. Alright, let's move on. A good take, hot take. One of our favorites, Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst, uh, was on NFL Live today and had a take. Could it be that Mina, for the first time, ends up on the hot take (laughs) list? She had this to say about Jimmy G and whether he makes sense for the J-E-T-S. Jets,
2: Jets, Jets!
6: With this injury timeline, I don't think it makes sense. You know, when Wilson first went down and we were hearing, maybe it's the whole season, I thought, well, that's a natural fit with offensive coordinator Michael Fleur. Connection there via Shanahan to Garoppolo. But less than that, and it sounds like it's going to be quite a lot less, um, it doesn't make sense for this team for a few reasons. One, candidly, the goal this season for the Jets shouldn't be to win at all costs and try to make it to the playoffs. It should be to develop their young quarterback and see what kind of pieces they have around him. Beyond that, Last year, we saw when Zach Wilson was hurt, Mike White, his backup, came in, Mm. played really well. I do think that it put some pressure on the young quarterback. Mm -hmm. Pressure, by the way, that he responded well to. I don't think it makes sense from a developmental standpoint to bring in Jimmy Garoppolo to essentially do the same thing over a longer period of time, because I do think he would play well in that system. In my opinion, you just stick with Flacco and Mike White, both capable backups, ride it out, and then get Wilson back on the safest timeline possible.
2: Hmm. I'm actually torn on this one based on the length of time that he'll be out. First of all, it's an expensive buy. I don't know how much of the $24.2 million they would be expected to pay or how much the Niners might be willing to give up in order to take him off the books. But if you end up going in there to do that surgery and the ACL is not intact... Do you want a whole season with Blacko and Mike White? Or do you want to maybe say Zach Wilson might not be the guy and it might be an unfortunate circumstance in terms of injury that helps us get to that decision? But if we don't have him and we have to go on a third year of we need to see what we've got, maybe they don't want to wait for that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm torn on this one, too, not knowing the timeline. But I think Mina makes one point that is really important and why this is a good take from her. He and good. that's what is the Jets' real objective this year? Because I keep thinking Jimmy G wouldn't be their long-term answer, likely. So then they want to be bad enough to to get somebody in the draft that could be the long-term answer. But, man, that's a sinking feeling before we've even gotten through two games of the preseason to be sitting here and saying, well, maybe you just want to stink so bad you get a top three pick in the right. draft. So. I I think all of that is entirely too painful for Jets fans to have to uh, deal with. Uh, That's a little of our good take, hot take, as we uh, get you through everything you need to hear. We're we're the accountability police around here. We just like to make sure that every, you know, (laughs) Mina passed the check. Uh, Don't worry, Uh, but you know, even even the best of the best sometimes throw out the wildly. We got some more to do. I
2: think later in the show we could potentially get some more in there because there's some other people who need to be held accountable.
1: Yeah, I'm all in for accountability. We'll go. We'll get back to some good take, hot take coming up. But there was. Some serious news uh, around the world of, of football that we want to get you caught up. Plus, how does name image likeness factor into a player who decides not to play? We're having to try to figure that out now because of one breaking piece of information today. We'll tell you about Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Some interesting news out of college football today that I think has a lot of people wondering how some things are going to be handled in the form of Miles Brennan. That's the LSU Tigers quarterback that was supposed to be uh, sixth year and uh, was supposed to be playing football for LSU this, uh, this season. He was told, uh, according to reports, that he wasn't going to be the starting quarterback and has decided instead to step away from football, which is certainly within the right of anybody in this process. But it does bring to light a money conversation, Sarah, because he signed several name image likeness deals. And we don't know at this point what the language, the fine details in that those contracts look like. But we do know that now you've got a player that's been given name image likeness money and is stepping away from the game. So it at least seems like from the outside looking in. He just made a bunch of money to not play any football, and it raises some interesting questions about the monetary aspects of football, not just at the pro level, but college, high school, all the way down.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is something I was just talking uh, to someone about as we were discussing mental health in sports, and there's a whole bunch of people that have been added into the extra pressure uh, and expectation as a result of NIL. Now, overall, I think it is a very positive thing that the athletes at the collegiate level that... Are bringing in money and bringing in resources and bringing in fans are being valued for that and compensated for it the same way that musicians actors anybody of their age would be for the work that they do but it's also interesting to consider now how much pressure i as an athlete and so many others are athletes at the collegiate level with nothing at stake still put on ourselves to compete the best to remain starters to break our own records to please our coaches, to please our families, to please our teammates, to do our best to understand that there is this limited window in which we get to compete. And every game is one of those few chances that you get. If you're someone as competitive as most people who get to that high level of, of play are, they already have enough weighing on them. Then you add into that the added pressure of dollars that could help both you and your family. Now we know that The highest level male recruits for certain sports have been getting under the table payments like this and dealing with that balance of performance and expectation versus future success. You know, the opportunity to play at a professional level and have life changing money um, or just, you know, getting that booster money that can help your family. Well, now there's a lot more athletes dealing with that. And I think it's going to help us continue to talk about it and understand how to have better nuanced conversations about mental health in sports, expectation and Also, how we're going to start regulating the wild, wild west of NIL. It started, and now over the course of time, as we find the pitfalls and the issues, then you have to go back in and say, can the contract say something like, this is null and void if you switch schools? This is null and void if you quit the team. This is null and void if you're not starting anymore. This is null and void if you don't have a certain point percentage average. Like All of that, I think, begins to come into play, and some really smart people with kids' Best interests in mind need to be the ones figuring some of that out.
1: Yeah, and it should be noted, as we understand it now, it is against the rules for any – the one rule, it seems, that they have – for any of the paid-to-be performance-based. But that doesn't tell us anything about whether or not players have to stay on teams. And then, to your point, you start to get into the pressures that come from – your life and from family and from everybody uh, on the outside looking in. And, uh, you know, there there are so many times now that we're looking as a society on how to figure all of this out. And look no farther than sort of the the jokes that we've made over years and that uh, people have seen in TV shows and dramas made like Friday Night Lights to see the impact uh, that families can have. And in a very real way to that, a tragic story out of Texas that Aqib Tlaib's brother has mm. now turned himself in after – uh, the the murder of a youth f- football coach, and uh, at this point, what we know is that a murder warrant was issued, and then uh, there was a fatal shooting Saturday night. And according to witnesses, Talib's brother pulled out a gun and shot uh, Hickman. Uh, I'm sorry, Michael Hickman, 43 years old, uh, multiple times after a disagreement between the opposing coaching staff at two youth football teams over a call made by the officiating crew that led to a physical fight. And what's difficult in all of this is it's already heated. It's already contentious. There's already so much on the line. When you start thinking about the other elements that are on the line even earlier, we just have to figure out as a society how we're going to uh, do these things and and make these things work in a way that people don't feel like they're at at risk just while they're playing youth football. I mean, it's a tragic story. Hopefully it's an isolated event. But, Sarah, the more and more there's uh, monetary opportunity out there, this isn't just about, you know, kids going out and having fun this is also about the future of families
2: yeah i mean this is an extreme case and it's not to say that this hasn't or couldn't happen before our current times but i think it's an unfortunate amalgamation of you've got um extremely high stress high anxiety people from the last couple years of the pandemic a lot of public behaviors have changed and shifted, that we are so divided in our politics and social issues that everybody is on edge, ready to be aggressive. And I do think social media behaviors and the way people interact on social media has shifted into real life behaviors and interactions with people that just never would have been acceptable or the place that anyone would think to go in the past. You combine that with how commodified all of our sports have become from the lowest levels up where people are taking youth sports way too seriously. We see the number of refs that are quitting because parents are abusing them and screaming at them. We see officials who are beat up by players or coaches after a game. And in this case, just an extreme, extreme example. But it's all part of the larger conversation of how do we enjoy something that can bring so much good while also recognizing that sports are not immune to to some of our worst behaviors and as a sort of microcosm macrocosm for larger issues i think um there are some really smart people who have tried to urge us over the years to not so idolize sports as this thing that brings us all together and teaches us leadership but to also recognize the spaces that are really dark and dangerous and um that's just i mean that's beyond words that's awful and the fact that talib was there Kids were there, uh, kids that played for the coach. I mean, this happened in front of a lot of people in a moment where there was a physical altercation, which is already taking things way too far. But then to have a gun and take someone's life over is just horrific.
1: Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. You know, I've got friends in Connecticut that uh, play in... Uh, kickball league here and uh, they had a, a, a matches canceled a couple of days ago because apparently at the last event there was a fight about a missed call and somebody got a gun and uh, you know, I mean and you think about like but I've, I've watched right and and the funny thing is like nobody's out there playing professional kickball nobody's out there you know despite the Ocho nobody's out there like going and figuring a way to make millions of dollars through it, it it's such a Uh, The the competitive atmosphere, the landscape is so heated right now uh, for people trying to live out some of their aggression in in a positive way competitively, but also for people that I think just haven't had the right release for all of this emotionally. It just, it feels like we are pent up as a world right now and everybody's sort of on edge and ready to break from one thing. And I don't know how you fix that. Like, I don't know how you fix a a blown call in a kickball league. That's really supposed to be about beers and seltzers suddenly turning into, you know, I'm going to go get my gun. Like it's white men can't jump. Like it it just, it doesn't, I have a hard time making that, that connection in my head.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, It's that thing where we all know someone who takes that stuff too seriously, but when I was playing, that meant you had a little tantrum, or you threw your bat in a softball game, or you yelled at the opposing team, or you yelled at a ref that was like, hey man, I'm making five bucks an hour. I'm doing my best. I'm not a professional. Not you bring out a gun and you make it so that no one can play anymore. Um, and again, I don't know that, I, I don't think these things are related, right? Someone producing a gun at kickball is not the same as the pressures that young athletes are facing as we continue to look at the possibilities that they have ahead of them professionally or otherwise. But I just think in general, um, we are, I, I hear too many people sort of just shrugging off major aggression, it really, really pathetic and immature and ignorant violent reactions to situations and disputes. And I wish that we in general as a society had more of a critical view of those things as just never being anything that solves anything. Um, I think I get criticized a lot on social media for being sort of like, um, you know, Pollyanna about it, but seems pretty easy for me to get that that never solves anything and can sometimes have serious circumstances like uh, keep Talib's brother.
1: Yeah, certainly none of it's necessarily related, but it's all very complicated, and I feel like that's the the world theme of 2021, 2022, and mm-hmm. God, hopefully not 2023. It's just everything's complicated. Things aren't complicated for the Cowboys. They just keep committing penalties. We'll find out from an expert if it's fixable and what impact it'll have next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN
0: Radio in the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
2: Alright, so Fitz and I decided it was a hot take to say the Cowboys can be sipping champagne with the perfect record at the end of the season if they just clean up those dastardly penalties. We'll see if our next guest agrees. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. Joining us now, manager and editor-in-chief of Blogging the Boys, covering the Dallas Cowboys, it's R.J. Ochoa. R.J., we're just going to kick off this interview with what we believe to be the hottest take of the preseason thus far from none other than a Hall of Famer, Michael Irvin, on first take. Here it is.
5: This is not like turnovers. Turnovers declare <laughs> wins and losses. You can <laughs> still win with all of these penalties. The Dallas Cowboys still had the number one offense in the National Football League, the number one scoring offense in the National Football League. What you should be saying, if the Dallas Cowboys clean up these penalties, they may be chasing the Miami Dolphins. That's what I'm trying to tell you right now.
2: Okay, Arjo, you cover this team. Is it true that they could be competing for a perfect record if they just cut down on penalties?
7: Uh, it's great to be with you guys. Uh, the Cowboys do play in a, in a really bad division, and uh, they, they have the benefit of playing the AFC South this year. They get to play... Uh, you know the Chicago Bears and, and the Detroit Lions, Yikes. and they've got some, some nice things going uh-huh. on. I know, uh, but um, <laughs> you know, I I don't think so. I think that um, you know it's a fifty-year anniversary of the Dolphins. Um, I think it probably makes it to fifty-one, um, even <laughs> if uh, the penalty issue is addressed. Um, Definitely, you know, we we love we get a lot of um, we get a lot of play out of everything Michael Irvin says. Uh, but this one, you know, this was just um, this was a fifth year even for the playmaker.
1: So RJ then. Is there a cultural discipline problem within the organization?
7: I mean, objectively, I don't know how you could say no today. Um, You know, as much as Mike McCarthy wants to kind of say that um, they, you know, the simple facts are like if an alien landed here and and we explained the situation, they led the the league in in penalties last year and in their first organized game since they, they had the most in the NFL. And, it, you know, like, they're, they're, you can debate, you know, oh, that's holding, that's not holding, that's that's roughing the passer, that's not roughing the passer. They had terrible penalties. They had a taunting penalty. Uh, at the end of the first half, Kelvin Joseph, who's a second-year, second-round player, jumped off sides when Brandon McManus missed a field goal. He gave him another opportunity, he made that field goal. I mean, it's preseason and all that contextualization, but you literally cost your team points in that sense, and so um, it's, it's hard to, to dispute that. You can live with some penalties, I think, but Uh, But these little, these obvious ones, they they do kind of speed through. You know, you're going to hold when you're playing aggressive the way Dan Quinn wants to do so. But uh, there's no, you know, defensive philosophy or disposition that lends to jumping off sides or taunting players um, that leads to hurting your team in the long run.
2: It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, talking to RJ Ochoa, manager and editor-in-chief of Blogging the Boys, covering the Dallas Cowboys. I think my biggest issue with that take is, first of all, it's easy to say, yeah, just clean up the penalties. Uh, That's a big thing to do if you have a tendency toward them. And also, there are plenty of other issues around this Cowboys team that are cause for concern. Uh, One of the biggest, of course, is how they finished last season and having more confidence in your quarterback and your coach to know how to close out a tight game down the stretch. Where are you looking at this team and saying, okay, this could be a big issue this year if it doesn't improve or if it doesn't perform better than expectation as of now? Well,
7: you know, over the offseason, the Cowboys made a big deal about wanting to move on from Amari Cooper, traded him away, and and kind of misread the receiver market in the process. Not that, you know, Amari is Tyree Killer, Devontae Adams, but you know, it's clear that they got, you know, pennies on the dollar for what other receivers went for as well. And they didn't really do anything to address that. They, they signed James Washington in free agency. He was there. They were the last team, by the way, in the NFL to, to sign an external veteran free agent. And he's hurt right now. Okay. They spent their third-round pick on Jalen Tolbert. He had a rough preseason outing. and he's a rookie. I mean, you know, how much expectation can you really put on him? They did re-sign Michael Gallup, uh, who's hurt right now, maybe going to start the season on the public. So they've only regressed in that sense, you know, along the offensive line. This is a team uh, who employs Tyron Smith, who will one day be in the Hall of Fame, but he's he's missed time six years running. Dak Prescott has never been the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys and had Tyron Smith for every single game across an entire season. The last time he, he played a whole season, they were operating out of Valley Ranch, not the star in Frisco. And so uh, what did they do with tackle? They, they cut Lyle Collins on the other side, and they spent a fifth-round pick, actually the pick they got from Amari Cooper, um, on Matt Waletzko, who's hurt right now. And, and you know, not that kicker is kind of in the same realm of importance as, as wide receivers or, or your, your primary swing tackle, but, they have a kicker issue. I mean, they, they, they refuse to address, you know, these kind of glaring holes. And they're right now, you know, at the very top of the NFL in terms of available salary cap space. But uh, they seem to, to, to just want things to work out because they want them to. And, and hope is, is very famously not a strategy, uh, but it seems to be their kind of top strategy entering this season.
1: So with that being said, I'm not a big fan of ranking things RJ uh, popular belief aside uh, I like to put things in tiers. So like if you walked into <laughs> a bar and you have like top shelf liquor then you have like middle of the road then you have like well, uh, what tier and do then you, you think that, Yeah, I mean yeah, exactly. <laughs> what tier would you put the Cowboys in for the NFC right now?
7: You know, that's where it's difficult. I mean, because, I, you know, if I have to rank their quarterbacks, like Dak is up there, you know, like that Johnny Walker blue that Jerry Jones loves so much. Like, they've got, I mean, if you, I know you don't want to rank things, but if you did rank or or tier the quarterbacks in the NFC alone, you know, you've got Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers kind of in, in a class of their own. And then the conversation starts, right? Like some people would put Matthew Stafford there. He's got a Super Bowl ring. Okay. And then who's who's the next best? I mean, like, is it is it Dak? Is it, and then after that, it might be Kirk Cousins. I mean, it might be Kyler Murray. Like the NFC is, is really shy of some elite quarterbacks. And so when you have that, um, you know, you, you've you got the bracelet to get you in into the, the club that you're going in. You know, you don't have to pay a cover charge. And so who cares, like, how much or, or whatever tier – Uh, the drinks are when, when you're getting in for free, but outside of that, the rest of the roster is difficult. Um, You know, they've only regressed, I think on paper, and that's kind of been the the main criticism encircling them for the last few months. And and they've seemingly done nothing um, to really improve except for, you know, spend some draft picks on players. And, and, you know, if those things hit, obviously it works out, but you know, all of this is possible in the world of infinite possibilities, but it, it, it's such a unnecessary way to go about this. I mean, they're, they're buying, buying a lottery ticket and trying to cash that in as legitimate credit uh, when, when they could have exercised all of these resources towards, you know, supplementing their roster again like the nfc is super weak why not identify that why not you know take advantage of your super weak division automatically get yourself in the tournament and then hope that things break your way but it feels like instead of capitalizing on that they're resting on those laurels and they're sort of putting themselves in a weaker tier on purpose because hey who cares like we'll be able to win this tier no matter what
2: Spain and Fitz, that's R.J. Ochoa, manager and editor in chief of Blogging the Boys, covering the Dallas Cowboys. Hey, thanks so much for the insight, really appreciated. And uh, I was going to have you predict how long the fans will will let McCarthy stay without the screams to replace him, but I guess that's very dependent on the job he does and the early season record. So we'll have to have you back in a in a few weeks or a month or so and, and see how things are going. Uh, appreciate the time.
7: Thanks, R.J. I would love that. I'll have a good night.
2: RJ Ochoa, you could go follow his work at blogging the boys. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Spain and Fitz is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive is proud to team up with Hello Alice to support small businesses, get access to small business resources, and learn about small business grants at helloalice.com. Fitz, I wanted to play this for you. We were just talking about some of the choices that the Cowboys made around roster spots, potential holes, some things that they didn't shore up and could have, and some chances that they're taking. Well... On the collegiate level, I heard this soundbite from Lane Kiffin about needing to find a punter and how they did, and I wanted your reaction to it.
1: You guys have also added a punter to your roster. Can you talk a little bit about him?
7: Yeah, I don't know a whole lot about him. I think he was down at the frat house, you know, like at a keg party or something, you know, where they got him from. <laughs> so we got some conditioning work to do with my guy, but um, <laughs> we just said, hey, someone go find a punter. Around campus and so we found one that actually used to punt in division one. So you never know.
1: All you I can never think, know. All <laughs> I can think about, I'm telling you, is just Lane Kiffin walking into a keg party and you're kicking like you're just showing off by kicking cans across the campus <laughs> and they're like, That guy, he's our punter. Oh man. I'm all
2: Well infamous. what I love is whoever found him. So obviously some player on the team is at a frat party and some guy mentions he used to be a punter. Hey, wait a minute. Coach told us to find one. What? You used to do it at the Division One? Come on out can't, to practice. That's saying, Coach, hey, I found a guy. Where'd you find him? Uh, Well, so I was spending a little free time at a frat house. Uh, I'd be the only time I think the coach would be happy that you were um, – doing keg stuff. Imagine being if you, if the kid, too. Though, like
1: though. You're calling your parents like, Mom, Dad, guess what? Got myself a scholarship by going to the keg right. party. Right. See, only at Ole Miss.
2: I mean, also, all eyes are going to be on this guy after the first thing he says is, we're going to need to do a little conditioning with my guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, uh, we're all going to be watching. I mean, we've seen in the past, we've seen some hefty kickers at the collegiate level, some of them quite good. So no judgment, no shame. Coming up, We have an announcement about an NFL game for our listeners, and we're going to make you cry. It's next.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
2: I don't know why we did it. I don't know why we asked you guys to tell us some of the childhood movie moments that most made you sad, but we did. And now scrolling my Twitter timeline makes me want to barf. (laughs) I mean, I started it because I insisted on including the gif, of atreyu and artax in the mud in the never-ending story and that gif alone makes me want to puke uh it is very upsetting and it has been followed up by a series of gifts from some of the saddest moments of our youth so well done us happy monday uh it's spain and Fitz, sarah spain jason fitz espn radio espn app SiriusXM xm channel 80 and yeah we'll start there et getting re-released years later and fitz and i were talking about how you can't not cry during E.T. And it had us thinking what other childhood movie moments are just going to absolutely bring on the waterworks completely out of context. Doesn't even matter if you've watched the whole film. Fitz, everybody went with Macaulay Culkin in My Girl. And the point when she walks up to him in the coffin, where are his glasses? He can't see without his glasses.
1: I I, I never saw that movie.
2: Oh, well, spoiler alert, he died. (laughs) (laughs) Bee oh, that's stings. well played. That's well played, bee, yeah. Deep Beastings. Uh I haven't seen the full movie, but I'm aware of it from it being brought up a million times. Uh Angry Bears fan Dad Man brought up a deep cut, which is another movie. The only other movie I believe I saw with just my dad, dad daughter movie date, an American tale, oh. when he's singing somewhere out there. Somewhere out, out there. there beneath the pale moonlight. Oh, that's so good. We'll find one another in that big sm- it's a very, very sad scene. Uh Although if I'm co- going
1: animated, like Fox and the Hound was way sadder Fox be, and, the like, Hound, Fox Bambi, and the Hound, like just
2: Lion just, King why did, anything where the parent dies.
1: Oh man. I, Up? My,
2: I didn't see up, but I've heard about it, and I am already distraught from just hearing that somebody's wife or something dies and they're old. Everybody
1: asked me why I haven't seen Toy Story 3, and I'm like, because I don't know a single person that didn't ball through Toy Story 3. I haven't even seen
2: Toy Story 1 because I saw one scene where the toy was sad that the boy left him behind, and I was like, nope,
3: Nope. can't Uh (laughs) do it. Story, story 4 no. is probably the saddest one. Oh my god, why You guys I can't watch why
2: any of them. sadder. Like I, that's just
3: what they got to do. Oh. That's, that's there cool. was like
2: a there was like a dog movie that was called like 9 below or 5 below or something. Oh, no. Nope. Marley and Me? Uh, Martin never I will never see Marley and me. Uh, Why would I do that to myself?
1: Uh, Mike Golick Sr. was telling the story right after one of their dogs passed about how he thought, he he was like, I'm in good shape. I'm handling it fine. And Marley and me came on and he's like, I yes. can watch this. It's no big yeah. deal. And, no. like, and then the next day I've talked to him and he's like, I was sobbing uncontrollably for
2: hours. Like, you know, I cry at previews of movies. I'm like, I know what's going to happen. I can tell. Like, absolutely not. Okay, this is not what you'd expect, but it is a movie I saw in my childhood that I will immediately start crying at any point in the movie, remembering the end of it. And it's sort of ruined now because the star of the movie is absolute trash. So it's been a while since I saw it, and maybe I wouldn't feel this way anymore. But Braveheart.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: I, that yeah. used to be my favorite movie of all time. And the part when he's crying, and you never going to see her again, and he's going to die, and then he's like, freedom! Oh, my Lord. Um, talk about a tearjerker legends of the fall ah. Oh.
1: you have a you have one uh, gif in your Menchies that you're probably not familiar with why gif. it's so nah, it's pronounced Jeff, uh it's but gif. Uh, Jason J gave you the scene of Optimus Prime dying. <laughs> no, I don't the, know And it. so you're not going to know this, but <laughs> here's the crazy thing. It was like 89, but it was the Transformers animated movie. And the Transformers at the time were like the, the most popular cartoon for, for boys, right? And they made this huge movie, and this was pre-internet, so none of us knew going into the theater that the number one main character that the entire thing was built around was going to be killed in the movie so that they could oh. anoint a new... and like a kid Anoint? Tour, anoint? Anoint. Is anoint, that the word you were yeah. looking for? Uh, uh, so they could anoint uh, uh, anoint uh, <laughs> a new uh, leader of the uh, Autobots. But what's crazy is later in life, a few years ago, I was watching this documentary on Netflix, "The Toys That Made Us," and they were talking about that oh. movie. And this again, this is pre-internet, we didn't know this, but Kenner Toys had gone in and they'd done the market research, and essentially they figured out they'd sold all the Transformers they could. So they went to the writers and they said. Kill them all and give us new heroes that we can sell cartoons, so we can sell toys from it. So they tried that, and it became like the the like kids were absolutely just going apoplectic in the theaters, like parents rushing them out. It was it was a scene. I mean, I'm apoplectic
2: because someone just put Old Yeller gift into my munchies. Why? What are you doing? I can't even. Uh, we're getting a lot of Champ. We're getting a lot of Brian's song, which is deeply upsetting. We're getting a lot of Turner and Hooch. If an animal dies, I will cry.
1: I'm out. I'm out. If an animal I'm dies, out. I'm out. All
2: dogs go to heaven. No, thank you. It says it right in the in the title. I'm not going to watch that. Yeah, it's like, they can uh, tell me
1: about it when I get there, but in the meantime, I don't yeah, need the update.
2: Yeah, no. Uh, Land Before Time, a lot of people are putting a clip from that, which reminds me of the part in... The never ending story, which is also very upsetting, when the rock man can't hold on during the nothing, and Atreyu comes upon him after the nothing goes through, and he looks down and he goes, These look like such big, strong hands. And he's like so mad at himself for not being able to save everything that's flying by during the nothing. God, that movie's depressing. What? It's also so good. You're and then at the several, end, um... when the princess brings them all back, and it's like, da, na, 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 na. and he's riding the horse, and he's like, on the back of Falcor, he's like, look, Atreyu and Artax. And then the kid does the big fist bump. Ugh. Oh.
1: You're getting a bunch of uh, Harry and the Hendersons. Like, did <laughs> was I, that sad? Did I miss something in Harry and the Hendersons? It was sad. Like, I'm, the the movie never really did it for At me. At the so.
2: end, does he like go back into the woods or something? I don't, I don't
1: know. I don't know.
2: I don't know that I I definitely watched Harry and the Hendersons, but it didn't stick with me in any way. Yeah. Uh, well. uh, anyway, thanks for that walk down memory lane. It's really uh, awful. I mean, yeah. Have that I problem? mean, I don't know why we did that to ourselves. That we should all go watch ET now and ball. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Uh, we have a quick announcement. Uh, we, you know what? we got to get good take, hot take another time. Well, those takes are steamy enough to last another day, uh, but we do have an announcement. So, in previous years, we have had a Spain and Fitz fantasy league. Now, the fun part of that has been involving some listeners and letting them create teams, doing some sort of contest whereby they win a spot. I believe Angry Bears fan Dadman was the one who came up with the name of our league last year, which was Wet Bleep, pigskin, mm-hmm. just for fits and giggles.
1: Yep, yep, sounds right. Yep.
2: <laughs> Rolls right off the tongue. Um, and we had fun playing against them. But we all have our own fantasy leagues, and it's a lot of work and time. And I think we want to change things up a little this time fits. so why don't you tell them what we plan to do instead so
1: we decided that instead of just doing a fantasy football league what we should do is have you guys compete with us on our picks so every Friday as you know we like to make picks so what we're going to do is each week we're going to put out a riddle on, on the beginning of Friday's show from whoever gets the riddle correct we will pick somebody that's competing with us on that Friday And uh, we will put out uh, our pick six of games, and then you're going to compete against us. If you beat us both, then you're going to get some Spain and Fitzwag. It's that simple. So that way every week we can interact with different winners and we can give you multiple opportunities. So it's, it's a nice way to do it every week and take advantage of the fact that early in the season we do very well and late in the season we do not. So this is your chance.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I think we're still going to we're gonna workshop how you win. It might be a riddle. It might be one of those social plays where we ask for something clever like we did with the name and pick a winner. Either way, it'll be Friday early in the show. We'll pick who's going to play against us, and then later on in that show we'll get their picks and we'll see who the champion is. We do have some good Spain and Fitz swag, amongst other things. Maybe we'll surprise people with what they get. Um, maybe we'll surprise them when they don't get anything, if you're in charge. I yeah, well, I guess I mean, no, in that's what we no, doing. Devin, it.
1: Devin's going to take care of everything. Devin's the producer. He's he's going to have to take care of everything. I, you know, I'm a very busy man. I have too much to do.
2: uh uh-huh. <laughs> Mhm. As sure opposed thing. to you just lounging around doing yeah. one I am TV about show. to take a lengthy I mean, vacation, so I guess I can't speak right now. Uh but uh you know, the good news is Freddie and Fitzsimmons are coming up next. They're going to have the entire Cowboys team on to talk about whether they yeah. go undefeated. I don't know how they're going to have that many mics. See ya.
0: Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at seven Eastern on ESPN radio and on the ESPN app.